everybody. Welcome back. It's good to, well, not see you because uh, I can't see you, but it's good to be with you. I'll say it that way. It's good to be with you again. Uh, we're here. It's another Tuesday, which means it's Doable Discipleship Day, your favorite day of the week. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to be back uh, with me today. As always, is Brandon Robinson. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? And I realize I can't us, hear you, but I yeah. trust that you said something. <laughs> Good, we're doing great. And then joining us um, through uh, another episode in this series is Brandon Bathauer. Brandon, how are you? Splendid. Splendid. I'm doing Marvelous. splendidly. Thank okay, you. Good. Marvelous. <laughs> uh, this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as I'm going to say it today, it's the show that helps you grow. And um, we have been in this series called, Is This Okay to Ask? And it's best to say it that way, because that's kind of the tone that we all kind of take when we are approaching hard questions. Is, is, is this okay to ask? Like, you know, it's that, uh, I don't know if I'm stepping on some toes I'm not supposed to, or if I'm approaching a subject that's not, you know, but what we're getting at this series is looking at some of these hard questions that, um, that, that as Christians, we uh, can come up against and that we can either have for ourselves questions that, that we may not sure how to answer or approach or questions when you're talking with somebody else that may have. And so we just wanted to uh, take this series to kind of identify some of those, talk about some of those, and then talk about uh, them from a how do we engage in that kind of topic. So uh, the very first episode in the series talked about um, hard questions and why it's important and good to ask hard questions and that it's it's okay. It's not a sin to ask a hard question. Um, and then uh, last week's episode, we, we looked at uh, is um, why do bad things happen to good people? And so today, uh, we're not making it any easier on ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we... We've been really loving uh, hanging around the third rail, and it's uh, it's kind of sticking with that today in looking at, um, is God a Republican or a Democrat? So kind of talking about politics and um, how we as Christians um, can talk about politics. And so, Good thing no yeah. one cares about politics. You know, I know. They say that politics and religion are, are third rail topics, so we're just diving right in today. We're putting them together. In. Here we go. <laughs> I know. I think if you combine them, it makes a sixth rail, and uh, that's what we're talking about today. And so how, we, how do we talk about this? How do we engage with this? It's particularly hard right now just because there's so much tension uh, around talking about the subject of politics. Right now, it just seems that um, everybody has a side, is what it seems like. Everybody is on one side or everybody is on the other, and there's no wiggle room in between. And it can be super, and, and then it, it's not just that, but any conversation around the matter feels incredibly charged. It feels um, like, you, like you're stepping on live wires here anytime you want to talk about something related to politics. And sometimes it's because you don't know where the other person stands and you're like, ah, how do I how do I navigate this? I don't want to upset them. Or it's that you do know where the other person stands and uh, you're like, oh, I don't know how to even have a conversation with you about this anymore. Yeah. And and that's just because right now, at least, uh, political parties in particular uh, ha are just 
so tied to our identity or, or to our value system, to our family system, at least how it is right now. I'm talking about how it is right now. It hasn't necessarily always been this way. Now, we can get into a whole history of the political party system, not worth doing right now. But really, when we're talking about the present, is right now, there's a lot of assumptions or baggage that go along with identifying yourself with a political party. If, if you say, I am a Republican, then a lot of people assume that says this about you, this about you, this about you. Or if you say, I am a Democrat, then a lot of people assume that that says this about you, this about you, this about you. So it, that makes conversations around politics, and especially talking about about God in politics, very difficult and uh, very uh, um, unpleasant right now, I guess is a good word for it. <laughs> it's not something people want to generally enjoy right now. And there's some truth in this, in that a political tension is not new. We can see this even back in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 12 is this question about a taxes. It's uh, you know it, these um, these guys come up to Jesus and are trying to trap him, and are trying to say, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we, should we pay or shouldn't we? But I love this part. Is Jesus uh, it, or it says Jesus knew their hypocrisy. <laughs> I love that. He knew what they're doing, <laughs> and he's you know he looks at the coin and he says, whose image is on this? They say it's Caesar's, and he says, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. So even back then, even in like thirty three A.D. There was political tension. There was this: How do we engage with politics? Where do we stay? You know, like, like how how are we supposed to do this? So this isn't anything new, but it does seem to have taken on a little bit more of a, uh, a hot spot right now. So, uh, guys, strap yourselves in because we're going to be diving into <laughs> this question today. So, uh, Brandon, yeah, tell us a little bit about about yeah. where we're going here you know what i find funny about that passage in mark 12 it's like that's the same thing that is playing out right now in our culture especially on facebook and twitter and wherever social media um like political politically charged trap questions of like you know i'm going to ask you a question a certain way and depending on you answer it like you draw your line in the sand and that's going to tell me i'm going to assume from there everything about you i'm going to know um, everything there is to know about what you believe <laughs> and what i love is this in verse 17 of of mark 12 the very last part is and they were amazed at that's him right. <laughs> because yeah. jesus's response somehow frustrated everybody but didn't fit into the boxes that they were expecting him to yeah. fit into yeah, yeah. like there's no way he's gonna oh wait what <laughs> yeah so before we get really get into the question is god a republican or democrat i, I kind of briefly wanted to to go back a little bit and just talk about the different world views the different uh gospels if you will um that are competing for the gospel that we see that we've believed that we see uh in the bible um, and these competing worldviews, these competing gospels subtly or subconsciously even shape the way we view the world, shape the way we see other people. They, they shape and they form us in ways, uh, into their likeness. Um, so what I mean by this, what do I mean by, uh, uh, 
a competing gospel, right? Like the good news. Well, these different worldviews, these different systems, if you will, all promise something. They all say, hey, this is what the world should look like. This is what uh, humanity looks like when it's flourishing and thriving. This is what's gone wrong. And this is how it's fixed. This is how we offer salvation. Um, and that salvation usually comes by, you know, believing and submitting to somebody or something and becoming a part of a new people, becoming a part of a group. Um, so something, something super simple, like let's take Target or Amazon or the mall. And this is an idea that I first learned from James K.A. Smith, who writes kind of extensively on this, the, the different things that shape our, our souls, shape our, shape, shape our lives. Um, but think about Amazon, right? Think about all the ads that you see while you're on your phone, all the ads that are on social media, all the ads that um, you come in contact with daily, watching TV, whatever, commercials, right? It always promises like that, what? There's something that's a click of way that's gonna fix it and make it better, right? So, so we see um, that kind of the story goes like humanity was created for wealth, um, to be beautiful, and that life would come with a certain level of convenience and ease. Right, that we're supposed to be beautiful, that we are supposed to be wealthy, healthy, that they're in the quality of our life is going to be easy, that there's going to be convenience at our fingertips. Um, and then there's a problem that's presented, and that problem's like, but you don't have enough money, but you don't have our product, but you don't have uh, what we can offer. There's poverty, there's ugliness, you're not pretty enough, you don't have the, uh, you don't live up to the, beauty standards that we've set, but don't you worry. Don't you worry because we have salvation for you. If you buy our product, if you engage, if you click, you know, if you, you go to checkout, salvation can be found. It can be fixed in acquiring things. And these things are going to return you to what you were created for health, for wealth, for convenience, for ease to be, to be beautiful. Um, and this is something that I, I, before pastoring, before all this, my background is in uh, communications. I was a graphic designer. Um, and in the marketing world, in the ad world, that the, it's built on the crux of you to sell a product, you have to sell the person on their need for it. They probably don't need it, but if you can convince them that they need it, if you can convince them that this product is going to hit on a deep-seated need that they have, um, then they'll buy it. So all of the marketing, the targeted ad campaigns are all built towards to get you to feel deficient in some way. And in that deficiency, buying that product will return you to what you were originally created for, right? Um, so these false gospels, these, these, these worldviews, these false gospels, these false good news, they thrive when we believe that they are, um, that they and the way things are, are supposed to be, or maybe um, that they are the way things, that way are they, I'm tripping over words, that they are the way things are supposed to be. Um, and we have to look critically at them. And when we don't look critically at the things that are shaping us, uh, we're in a world of trouble. And we see the same thing, I think, in politics. 
whether you are Republican, whether you are Democrat, whether you are somewhere in the middle, wherever you lean, right? We're not even going to get into that. Wherever you find yourself, there is a gospel there. There is a good news that is being preached to you. There is a worldview that wants to shape you. And it goes like this, you know, America is supposed to thrive, but the problem that's holding us back is the other side. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's them. We have it right. They're holding us back. And if you give us power, if you put our guy in office, if you put our woman in office, if you put our people in party, that we are going to restore order, we are going to restore goodness, and we, and by extension, um, you will be able to flourish. We are going to bring this world, we are going to bring this country back into order the way it should be. And this is shaping us in a way that if we're not looking critically we can easily fall into the trap of not the gospel, not the true gospel, not Jesus and his kingdom shaping us. We will fall into the trap of whatever party we find ourselves with. This party knows what human flourishing is supposed to look like. This party knows what's wrong. And this party is going to restore me and the world back into right order, back into a place, a thriving in goodness. So we must look at our parties with a critical eye and ask ourselves if we are relying on a person or if we are relying on this party to save us. So with that said, I want to kind of let's let's get into the question. Is God a Republican or is God a Democrat? Brandon, what is he? Drum roll, please. Drum roll. The Easy answer. Question. Let me pull up the envelope here. Uh, we're gonna say the results are in. <laughs> God is, uh, God is neither, and what? and he's got a little. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh yeah, That's yeah, not what I know. I've been told. I know. Just uh, there it is. Take God is neither a Republican nor a Democrat. He's libertarian, huh? Yes, exactly. He's independent. <laughs> no, he's Green Party. Uh, he's yeah, a Green Party. <laughs> Who would have thought? Peace and freedom, isn't that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Well, and then I should also say uh, he's got a bit of um, of both, meaning he's got some of the characteristics that are chased after in these different parties um, in his character. But I want to focus on the the neither part really first. Uh, that God is is not Republican nor Democrat because God transcends our political system, right? Brandon, I love what you were saying that we easily fall into the trap of that the Republican slash Democrat divide is the story, is the narrative, it is <laughs> the gospel. And so I have to choose one side or the other. And look, guys, that's, that is very much uh, something that has been culturally constructed in our time right now that we are swept up into. Because what Republicans and Democrats even stand for has dramatically shifted over the years, right? Mm -hmm. So from yeah. you know the democrat republicans versus the federalists like these things shift around and so what we think of as the the wigs and the tories the wigs and the <laughs> exactly like what we think of as the platonic ideal the set aside this is what republicanism is or this is what a democratic view is even what right and left is is constantly shifting that's shifting sands and jesus talks about when we build our house on shifting things. So the point is, is that God is 
above this. He transcends these little political um, arguments. <laughs> God is establishing his kingdom, and it's not the left or the right. God's kingdom is permanent. It's, it's timeless. It goes far beyond um, you know, these, these little squabbles that we have right now. Now, see, Jesus said in John 18, 36, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is from another place. Again, we can very easily jump into a place of just like, okay, well then, you know, God's kingdom just is about saving souls and it has nothing to do with justice or taxes or equality. And and that's not where we want to go. We'll get into that in a second. But it's important to remember that uh, God is above, again, these little, these little battles. Um, Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship as, uh, as followers of Jesus, our citizenship is, a, is part of God's kingdom, not just these, these little squabbles. See, the thing that frustrates me right now in this polarized and divisive culture is we're often more likely to embrace a fellow Republican or fellow Democrat than we are to embrace a fellow child of God who is across the aisle. And that really scares me because that tells us what we truly value, where our identity and our citizenship really lies. Um, and, and man, that's, that's really scary, right? Like um, that my commonality with you in our following of Jesus is less important than where I stand on economic issues. Well, I think it, it's, it speaks a lot to, to what we attach our identity to. Right. So like, right. Like I think I, I, I honestly think there's, it's a good exercise even to say, you know, either, you know, my beliefs or my positions on political issues right now uh, are, are more in line with, the Republican Party or my beliefs or positions are currently more in line with the Democratic Party rather than saying I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. And I think even just that little exercise is Mm. healthy because it not only acknowledges what you were saying just then about the shifting sands, because uh, every four years, a new platform is generally um, put forth for each party. So you can kind of see you know, how things are shifting, how things are moving, and then you can, you know, adjust accordingly if you need to. Um, but also it reminds you of your identity that, that you're not saying I am a Republican or I am a Democrat. Instead you're mm-hmm. saying I am a citizen of heaven or I am a child of God. And when it comes to politics right now, this is where my positions generally line up. It's like in CR, you know, I celebrate recovery. They make the great distinction between celebrate recovery and something like AA, uh, where instead of saying I am a alcoholic, as you say, I am a a child of God who struggles with alcoholism. Right. Yes. So it, that's yeah. it's I, I think we as I'm, it, this is a little, a tangential. Apologize, but it goes so much into how culture right now how we are so easy to give up our identity mm. into other things and place it into other things. 
But but what God is, God values your identity so much because He made you, and He says you I like your identity is in me. Your identity is in unionship with Christ and with me, is mm-hmm. in heaven. Um, everything else is stuff that you can deal with right now would be part of, but that's not who you are. And yeah. so I oh, think that's, that's so really weird. important to make that distinction. Here. Well, like, not- honestly, it just got me going because even when you mentioned the other side of the aisle, and I know that's that's the term in you know, in Congress, you have you know the other yep. side of the aisle, and when you truly think about it, it's it's so um, unhelpful to think in terms of that way. Yeah, right. Instead of just everybody being together and intermingling and all in coming together with their different positions, you have this divide is literally seen as a divide in aisle. <laughs> yeah. it's, An open space where no one can actually sit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The chasm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and people are going to look at you real weird when you try to sit there. And that's maybe the point. But, you know, I think I think you're you're nailing it when we that God cares desperately for our identity. And a lot of times this is why if you read through the old Testament, you're like, why is God man so focused on idol worship? Why is that such a thing to, to God? And it's because we give our identity to what we worship. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it, I, I think that there's, there's something about having a stance politically and that's a good thing. Again, we'll get to that in a, in a bit, but the amount of anger and vitriol and just shaking frustration at others that you can see and sometimes feel will, will tell you, like, just search yourself. It'll tell you that maybe you've given too much power to this, you know, and, and maybe we've been caught up in our limited understanding. You know, Ephesians 6.12 says, like, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood against rulers and principalities and authorities of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Like, that's the battle God's fighting. And if we're too caught up in, again, these small little, you know, this side of the aisle or that, now we're not rising up to the transcendent place where God is and where God calls us to be. Now, just to push it one step deeper, um, what starts to get really scary with this when we think, well, God is a Republican or God is a Democrat. Um, We got to remember that God cannot and should not be claimed or confined or owned by any human based party or organization. God is not a God who gets put into a pocket and uh, is used as a weapon against them. Um, Let's just be really careful about this because God is a lot bigger than we are. And um, when we start to use God. And if he fit in your pocket, he would be smaller than you are. Exactly. Yeah. Then th- that is not God. <laughs> and I think there are points, uh, even in the idea of taking God's name in vain, that part of this means flying a banner and saying, this is what God says. This is the side God is on when God is saying, I'm not on that side or I'm not against that side. And so, I mean, let's just roll with this, right? When you start to have God on one side or the other, you see this in in the church in Corinth, where you have, um, you know, are you either with Paul or with Apollos, you know, and you have this battle that goes along in this church in Corinth, and Paul is saying, you guys don't understand who God is and how he rises above this. 
And then what hap- what's happened in history when we use God and kind of weaponize God to attack and even to subjugate others? Like this happened in the Crusades. Uh, that didn't work out so well. And then the Inquisition. this right, the colonial imperialism. We have God, you don't. We understand God better than than you do, and now we're gonna like that gives us some power to be above another group of people. Like this practice, unfortunately, has been a long practice in Christian history as well as human history in general. And when we fly the banner of whatever position I have, God is behind me. And he's the power on my side. Again, that's not God that's there. That's usually our own power or our own idols or it's, like Brandon, you were saying, our own false gospels. It's the way of the world. And I, I mean, yeah, it just is. hearing you say that, it makes me think of like God's kingdom never comes through the way of the world. It, it's uh-huh. upside down. It never comes through force. It never comes through authority and power. Um, We've seen that in history, throughout history. We even see that, what is it? Uh, I can't remember the the Roman emperor who is Constantine, who instituted Christianity as the natural, the the national religion. Yeah. It it doesn't work. God's kingdom, God is always going to call us to a place of humility, not necessarily a, a place of force and in, in, in power. Um, God doesn't strong arm his kingdom. So his people don't strong arm his kingdom. It comes from a place of love and humility. Yes. Um, and that's not just like frou-frou niceties. Um, it's the way the kingdom works. It's the way God works. You know, we see with even Jesus, Jesus is God, right? But you, we see him, uh, uh, submitting himself, um, to, I don't want to say the culture is not the right word, but we see himself, we see him going low. We see him submitting himself. We see him not using uh, his power um, as a way of like, put me on a cross. I'll take myself off a cross. You can't stop me. You know what I mean? Like, no, he, he goes to the cross. He dies a humiliating death so that we can fully experience the grace and goodness of God so that we can fully experience his kingdom in the way that he's designed the world to work. Uh, yes. But when we yeah. try to crusade our way into that, when we try to uh, intellectually show up somewhere and say, we have God, you don't watch this. We know what's best for you. It always goes poorly. It always ends in violence. It ends in uh, deception. It ends in the things that Paul would describe in Galatians as the works of the flesh, Mm. um, not the work of the spirit. So we have to keep that in mind. Like we can't weaponize God. Yeah. And on the positive side, what happens when we don't weaponize God? Like think about the polarization and the divides that we experience now. What if instead of using God as a bat to beat down the other people, what if the way that God transcends these issues actually allow us to start building bridges of love and of conversation. What if, if, if everything in the world is not a right or left issue, but we start with what is God's heart in this? Maybe we can actually start building common ground of, um, of conversation of, of unity, even above these divides that culture has thrown on us. You know, like that, that's the thing that gets me excited. What if like this was a way out of our tribalism? Yeah. Because again, look at Jesus. Like you got to understand the context, even of that passage in Mark 12. 
everybody either wanted Jesus to fight away the Romans and fight for Israel's independence or uplift the Roman things and uplift the work of the temple. So you have the Sadducees on one side that are like, hey, the temple, we're getting the money, it's rolling, the Romans are getting some taxes off of it, it's all good. So Jesus, are you going to be like a temple guy and support kind of the structures, the power structures in play? Big temple guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or are you going to be the, uh, let's overthrow the Romans? And you see, you know, upon the resurrection, the words Jesus didn't speak were, let's go get those Romans, right? Like Rambo Jesus, yeah. let's, Rambo. Go, <laughs> let's go overthrow the Roman Empire. And everyone was mad at him because he chose a different way. And it was a way that did end up making right uh, the evils of the Roman Empire. And it was a way of uplifting uh, the, the temple practice in a way that was far beyond the way that people thought. And so this kind of leads us into this next bit of like, all right, so if God is above, if he's transcending all of this, um, if we just left it there, it would be easy to just say, okay, well, then God is just some spiritual force that doesn't have anything to say about, um, you know, how we work together as, as a people. He doesn't have any say about uh, economics or justice, but he does. He has a lot to say about that. And mm -hmm. as good followers of Jesus, we should vote. Um, but this plays into like, okay, then how – how do we do this if God is both above politics but also is involved in it in some way? Like, how do we, what should we do as followers of Jesus in the political sphere? Yeah, we may need to uh, burst some bubbles or dash some hopes here because uh, if you're hoping that we go through piece by piece in terms of uh, different issues of politics or current affairs and say, what does God think about this? That's not what this podcast is about. That's not what we're oh, doing. Man, I had my list right here. I know I you did. Guide. I know you did. That's why I felt like I had to jump in here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's not what, that's not what we're, that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing is trying to paint the picture of, of, of this for you. Right. So, so, should we be involved in politics? Yes. Yes, we, sure, we should be involved in politics. Because it goes back to the question of really what, what is politics? What are we even talking about when it comes to politics? Really what we're talking about is the role of government in our lives. That's, that's what politics is, is what, do you, is what should the government be doing or not doing? And then each part of the platform, each, each 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 part of the voter guide, if you will, as Brandon just uh, just said, like is really a question of what should the government be doing in this area, 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 and so on and so forth. So we have a voice. That is your vote. Is your voice in what you believe the government should or should not be doing regarding all these different areas. So yes, we can be involved in politics because that's because we have we have that privilege in the United States that that we have that voice and we can speak into the role of government in our mm -hmm. lives. But as we've talked about this entire episode is that for as Christians as as citizens of the kingdom of God, 
we should be ambassadors for the kingdom of God as well. And we should be advocating for values that reflect the kingdom, that reflect Jesus. And, and that's why, and that's where being soaked in the word and spending all that time in, in the word and with God and in learning about the character of God and that character rubbing off on you from all that time spent and yeah. that growth and learning and understanding that then impacts how you think about issues of politics too. And so it's an important point to know that we can't just punt on this is we can't just say, well, we'll let somebody else decide or figure this out. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go about my other business is no, is we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. So we should bring that into the areas of influence. And because God has, God gives us these areas of influence, God gives us voices. And so we should be advocates for kingdom values in these areas. As Brandon mentioned earlier, you have more kinship, you have more alike and in, in common with somebody who is a fellow brother and sister in Christ than you do with somebody who is of your same political party, but is not a believer. And that's why this question of identity is so important. So it's, you know, are, it's, 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 as we've talked about in each of these episodes, and I'll give you a hint, it's going to come up in every single episode I would gather in this series, is it has to be rooted in love. It has to be rooted in loving, the, uh, loving other people. Just because somebody is of a different a political party or holds different positions or beliefs politically than you does not give you permission to hate them. Uh, I'm going to let that one linger a little bit. Cool. Okay. So a big part of this, too, really what we're talking about when you get into the nitty-gritty of politics is on these issues of how to do things. So we can disagree on the how, but as believers in, in citizens of the kingdom, we should not disagree on the why, because the why is the kingdom value that you're talking about. I value, you know, as members of the kingdom, we should value a caring for the poor. Now, how we go about doing that can vary, and that's where different positions come into play in what's the best way to care for the poor. And that's, that's okay to have disagreements on this. There's going to be disagreements. Even within your own party, there's disagreements on different things. And so, and I think that's such a key point that we need to learn is disagreements are okay. It's okay to disagree. And disagreeing with somebody does not or should not mean that you think less of them as a person. It should not mean that you can hate them, as I said before, or get all angry at them. It should not, it should not lead to a value judgment on them as a person or on them as a brother and sister in Christ. A disagreement is a disagreement. And just a note on that, if, if you're disagreeing, again, if, if this is starting from the base of, hey, we have common ground in, in Christ, like we have common ground as members of the body of Christ, start with the value question, not the how yeah, question. Yeah. Hey, so what is the value behind your your decision on that? 
Like if you find yourself really up against somebody, ask that question and you can find common ground on the values, um, on, on the why behind that. And yeah. even if you're like, you know what? Okay, we disagree on that. That's fine. You know, like we disagree on that, but at least we can both say we're really caring for blank. Yeah. which we know Jesus does as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah I, I think that's very super liberating, you know, to know, okay, like caring for the poor, that's throughout the Bible, right? That's That could be a value. That's something that we, we see throughout the thread of scripture. Like that shouldn't be the issue. What can be the issue is how do we do that? Is that through more government? Is that through less government and private charity? You, you, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know, right? That there's 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 different ways to go about that. But disagree on how to do it, not on what you are doing or why you should be doing it. And that's a huge difference that I think is I think I mean personally for me extremely liberating to know. It's like there are different ways to do things. And it's okay to disagree on how to do something. But if you are solid in your conviction of, "Hey, we need to do this. I think we should go left. You think we should go right?" Okay, that's okay. Um, I think where we get in trouble is going underneath how and going to the value and saying, this is a value that's not a value. And those values should be reflect uh, Jesus's kingdom. Those values should reflect what we see in scripture. There are different ways to make a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> how you can, dare you? You can have thoughts about one way versus another way. But what we should all be able to agree on is that grilled cheese is delicious. Well said, delicious. my friend. Well oh, said. Look at you. You, um, you bridge the it, man. You're a peacemaker. <laughs> a peacemaker, bridge of the gap, using grilled cheese. Um, in, in each episode, too, in this series, we've been talking about how to have these conversations or how to talk about it. And I just want to hit that kind of idea super quickly, especially since uh, I think by the time this episode goes out, there's like a month until a major general election. Uh, so yeah, politics close. is pretty unavoidable right now. It's it's everywhere. Conversation about it is everywhere. So if you are talking about politics, I always find it's a good uh, it's a good exercise to ask yourself, what is my goal in this conversation? Right. And I'll give you some hints. Your goal shouldn't be to make the other person feel attacked or hurt by what you're saying. It should not be to, you know, go on a total offensive and then be offensive. Mm. Um, I just said that in the moment. I was, I like I was happy that. with that. Um, <laughs> another little hint. You don't need to use inflammatory language when you're talking and having a conversation. Just saying. Like, uh, you don't need to use uh, foul language. You don't need to say things that you know will intentionally get a rise out of somebody. You can have conversations uh, civilly. I know that's kind of shocking to hear right now, but you can. It's possible. <laughs> and, and the same thing goes for using a social media. Ask yourself these questions before you post something. What is my goal of this post? Is my goal to have a discussion to engage with others in civil conversation about the how of a topic or, 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 or even the why, if you have people of different beliefs and kind of get into that. But it should not be uh, to you know, make other people feel really badly 
about positions that they may hold. It should not be to try to get a rise, you know, to troll is the kind of term now, right? Um, yeah. So it's really just coming at, it's, it's asking yourself, it's kind of this heart check question. What is your heart check uh, going to be when you are talking about politics, especially in such a charged season? Yeah, yeah even responding. Even Sorry, yeah. go, go ahead, No, no, no. I was just going to say, I'd even add, like, um, if you're posting something that you're posting to everyone, but you really mean it for one person, you know, yeah. you have that one person in mind and you're like, I'm going to stick it to them, but you're posting to everyone. I would encourage you talk to that person. You don't have to post it for everybody. If it's really about one person, if it's really to one person, if you really feel offended by one person, go to that person and say, Hey, this was hurtful or this offended me. Um, you don't have to make uh, a post that's subtly aimed at a person, um, but now it's going out to everyone. And now you have nine people commenting on it. And now, you know, you're fighting for your life on, the, on your timeline or on your feed. And you really could have just had that one conversation with one person. Um, Cause that's really what it was about in the first place. <laughs> we all experienced that at work, right? Where like <laughs> you have like the team meeting and there's now a new policy that's really built for one person. You're like, just talk to that one person. Goodness sakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think even on the trolling thing, Jason, so not only when you're posting it, but if you're responding to a comment, trolling is a fishing term where you have a boat going and you throw your bait behind the boat and it basically is a lure that looks like a fish to catch the bigger fish. Um, these, like those are trolling statements. And if you're like, don't, don't take the bait, don't jump in there and get in. Like, then you're just as dumb as a fish to just get in a big argument. Do you think it's going to change anybody's mind? No, it's not no. going to change anybody's mind. It's, not. it's just going to create more division. And when we're talking about Jesus's values, the kingdom values, sometimes, no, again, Jesus cares very much about uh, some of the things that are represented in these different parties that are being fought for. So it's not to belittle that, but Jesus very much cares about how we treat our neighbor. So like, if you really want to carry out Jesus's values, Think about how you're engaging in the conversation because it's even how we talk about these things that reflect what it is that Jesus most cares about. And think, and then ask yourself the question of, are, are you doing the things that you feel your government should be doing too? So mm. if you say, oh, so if you say, you know what, like, you know, the government should be doing this, you know, because, because the Bible says this or whatever, like, okay, Great. Um, how are you living that out in your life too? Is that something yeah. that you are taking personal responsibility to love your neighbor or are you just waiting, hoping that your government mm. will love your neighbor for you? So there's some questions there too. Yeah. As we said, we do have an election coming up and um, just a little sneak peek, not into the election because I have no idea. Um, but uh, Brandon and, and I are planning on doing a special a doable episode uh, that that week of election week probably will release it on the Monday instead of the Tuesday that week. Um, but kind of centered around this this kind of final idea that we want to leave you with before we hit the doable, which is that our hope for goodness in the world is is not going to come from who is sitting in the Oval Office, right? It's 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 not from who's behind that resolute desk. 
it's in it's coming from the people of god it's coming from from the values that we as the church as the body of christ live out so it's it's not about who is in the white house it's about who is on the throne as pastor rick likes to say yeah and um so no matter what happens on november 3rd or however long it takes for us to find out um it's good to have that reminder that 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 no matter what there's still hope that things you know that jesus is still alive and so uh that's that's where our hope is it's not in washington it's it's in the kingdom of god so well said well said well said and i think in that way like the world desperately needs hope the world is hopelessly lost on this one just so polarized and angry and what if we the people of god showed the world a different way of being human a different way of engaging in in this like we can be truly like in a very real sense hope and direction to the world around us if we can rise above Mm -hmm. um as followers of jesus and show a different way yeah so brandon give us the doable Here's a doable. The doable this week is a reflection question, something to think about, you know, however you want to reflect with it. Do you want to journal about it? Do you want to take some time in quiet just to sit and think about it? Whatever you want to do, whatever works for you. But the question is this, what is shaping your view of human flourishing? In other words, think about it like this. What is shape? What is shaping your idea of this is what the world looks like when it's put back right when it's put into place is that the policies of a particular party or is that the gospel of jesus in his kingdom i you know i found a uh uh a thread or some ideas uh from a guy named rich viotis i, I really like the way he thinks and he says this he says something to kind of think about uh do you believe your political party has all the answers to the world's problems Do you find it difficult to criticize your own party? Do you place your ultimate hope for the healing of the world in a party? Is there a refusal to acknowledge any good from a different party? Is your social imagination shaped more by political talking points than the gospel of the kingdom? And I thought that was a really well put, well said uh, thread. But think about that. What's shaping your view? Is it the gospel of the kingdom? Is it the gospel of Jesus? Or is it the gospel of the left? Is it the gospel of the right? What is shaping your view for this is what it looks like when the world is put back right? So let's think about that this week, whether you want to journal about it, whether you want to just sit and think about it, however you want to do it. Um, But I think as we head into, at this point, like a month away from the voting booth, this is something that we need to be wrestling with and thinking about it. So Hey, this was, uh, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I think it's a necessary conversation. Brandon, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, this is pretty fun. We all get to work together, but it's cool. We get to work on the same things together. So yeah, that's all I have. I think Brandon's going to join us again for our final episode in this series. I believe, I think the next, yeah. I don't think he will be here for the next couple of episodes. Um, in fact, I don't remember what they are. So uh you know you'll be surprised <laughs> that's what we'll say you'll be yeah, surprised surprise. i think the next one is about the bible 
That's right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it is. And then the one okay. after that is is about science. science. Yes. 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 Okay. I, I'm I'm back on track to to uh, our plan. Okay. Cool. So uh, so friends, uh, come back next Tuesday. We're going to be talking about the hard question of why uh, do we believe in such an old book? Sounds like a great mm. question. And, what does that have to do um, with right now? What was that? No, I said, mm, that's a good question. Because what mm -hmm. does that have to do with our mm -hmm. current time? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it. Cool. Uh, anyway, Brandon, thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Um, everyone else, we will see you guys next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week